0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
2: Good morning from MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Today, we're going to be talking about one of the biggest health challenges that we have as a state, and that is with our weight. We're going to be talking about overweight and obesity and some of the strategies that are going on at a state level to help us address that. If you have a question or a comment, we would love to hear that today. Our number is one mpb ring It's one 6727464 as always you can send me an email at fit at MPbonline.org We'll be back after the news
3: this is an MPB think radio podcast.
2: Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And joining me today, I have Catherine Rodemeyer and Sonia Fuqua, who are both with the Community Health Center Association of Mississippi. And we're going to be talking a lot about that association today and in particular focusing down on one of Mississippi's biggest challenges, which is our battle with overweight and obesity. And so, ladies, thank you both for coming in and joining me today. I know this is a topic that um, both of you feel very passionate about, as do I. Um, But I'd like to just start with uh, telling our listeners a little bit about what you do on a daily basis and what the Community Health Center Association of Mississippi does. Is Catherine? You want to start and tell me what what that scenario, that association is. Sure. Good morning. Morning.
4: How are you? I'm good. So the Community Health Center Association is a trade association for all the community health centers in Mississippi. There are 21 entities that are that are community health centers, and with those 21 entities, they offer 200 access points around the state to primary health care. And that is a big deal, especially yeah. out in rural areas. Absolutely. Because there is not a lot of there are not a lot of options. Mm-hmm. So they provide these entities are nonprofit. They are run by the um run by the community mm-hmm. by community members and they're federally funded. Mm-hmm. So that's very important. And they've also been around for about fifty years. Yeah, so they're not a new thing popping oh, up. No, not yeah. at all. And one of the most fascinating things about the community health center movement is that the first one, one of the first ones in the country was established in Mount Bayou, Mississippi. Mm. So who knew? Leading the charge. That's right. Mississippi was first in that. Yeah. All
0: right. Sonia, uh, tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Well, thank you, Josie, for the opportunity to be here today. Again, I'm Sonia Fuqua, and I am the Director of Clinical Quality for the Community Health Center Association of Mississippi. And with that role, I provide technical assistance and training to the respective community health centers to help them Uh, get better outcomes, uh, uh, work with their strategies, best practices, interventions to get the outcomes, clinical outcomes Mm -hmm. that they need to um, meet the needs of their patients and their community. Mm. So very important work that both of you guys are doing.
2: Um, Catherine, you mentioned federally funded. So if folks have heard the term federally qualified health center or FQHC, are these the folks that we're talking about?
4: Yes, federally qualified health centers. So the health centers are funded by, I think it's a federal 330 grants. And they also receive grant funding from other sources. And they receive some money from the Mississippi Legislature.
2: Yeah, and the great thing about FQHCs is, is, like you mentioned, they're distributed all across the state. So a lot of times, you know, I'll be out doing health fairs or health events um, for uh, different communities, and. For me, it's irresponsible to do a health fair and not have somewhere to send folks if you find something wrong. Um, you know, if you find somebody with a blood pressure a little bit too high or a blood sugar that's out of um, out of normal. Um, you know, one of the questions I always ask is, do you have a regular doctor, nurse practitioner, somebody who's working with you? And the majority of the time they say no. Um, You know, they're just going maybe to a walk-in spot when they get, you know, acutely ill, you know, with a sinus infection or they, you know, hurt their back or things like that. But continuity of care is so very important. And what I mean by continuity of care is seeing the same people time after time. Because when you see different folks, you tend to lose a little bit in, in translation. You know, when I see the same people over and over and over again, I can tell little little changes in that individual from time to time. And that's one of the beauties of um, a community health center is that the staff gets to know the, the patient that they're working with and they're right there in your community, which is a great thing as well as, um, it's a,
4: it's a, it can be an affordable option as well because they do work with folks, right? They do. These are the federally qualified health centers or the community health centers. They do, um, uh, take they will see anyone who comes through the door no matter what their insurance status is no matter what their ability to pay is they provide it's not a free clinic right it is a sliding scale so the the center works with the patient when they come in and they have a discussion about what they could afford to pay based on income or lack thereof Mm -hmm. so they also take insurance they take Mm -hmm. private insurance federally sponsored insurance which would be your medicare or your medicaid insurance and um really it's a it's it's for the community and one of the things i just found when i was learning more about the community health centers is that it's you know, the patient, it's patient centered. Right. So it's around the patient and it's high quality care. Their measures are very, very good from a federal standpoint on outcomes. Mm-hmm. And especially with disease management, chronic disease management, that would be your diabetes, your hypertension. Those are the things that we struggle with as Mississippians every day. Yeah. And, you know, those are linked back
2: into obesity, which is one of the reasons we're talking about that today. You like your itching for a comment. Tell oh, me about yes. it.
0: I just wanted to add that we think of our community health centers as medical homes, mm-hmm. um, a one-stop shop so that the patient can come in and get all the services that they need. And if that particular need is not met at the community health center, we have a collaborative relationship with someone who can provide okay. it. So we can refer them out to say maybe get their mammogram, mm-hmm. and then they come back to the health center. We get their results, and then we still manage to care. So it's, 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 it's the home. It's mm-hmm. where I go to get all my services met. Right. So we we think of ourselves as, as medical homes for the patients. Yep. All right, guys, if you're listening and you have a question about community health
2: centers or about obesity or primary care in general, we're happy to answer those. You can give us a call at one eight seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, and I love the concept of a medical home because it very much ties into what I was saying about continuity and seeing exactly. the same folks over and over again. Um, because if, if you're an individual who has a lot of specialists, which a lot of patients do, you know they'll have a cardiologist and a nephrologist and a neurologist and that kind of thing. You really want someone um, overseeing all the pieces because people are not just a piece, right? We don't have just heart issues or just kidney issues or just brain issues. Those things all happen to one individual and they all have things, um, that fit together to create the totality of that individual. And then you got to throw in the financial piece and transportation issues and all these other things. And so it's really good to kind of have um, somebody looking at it from the 100-foot view over the top and looking down and saying, okay, have they had their mammogram? Have they had their colonoscopy? Have they had their flu shot this year? All of those different things. And that's the kind of care you find in a medical home.
0: Exactly. And you reference someone pulling it all together. It really helps the care that they're getting Mm -hmm. because you're seeing all these individual doctors and they're all prescribing and somebody needs to reconcile all All of those medications and and do the medication uh, treatment that they need to assure that the patient is actually benefiting from what they're doing At seeing the various different providers right make sure nothing's going to interact or if they're going to be
2: expected side effects um, you know i see it a lot from you know being a a more metabolic type um, provider with more you know diabetes and hypertension and that kind of stuff that i see you folks are going to the orthopedic docs and getting steroid injections which absolutely have a place and are necessary but a lot of times we don't tell them that your blood sugars, are, blood yeah, sugar. your blood sugars are going to get um, out of whack, or it's going to make you hungry, and so you're going to eat more. And so, if we were working towards weight loss on you, it may kind of stall out a little bit right now, or may even increase a little bit. And being able to talk through that and that that's an expected thing that's going to happen it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong it doesn't mean you give up on your diet or um, you know you you go off your eating pattern or whatever it is but having someone there to explain those things is um, really really important now they're all over the state so if we were looking to find one you know if you're in the the top corner of the state and you wanted to say where is the closest community health center to me how can they find that out
4: so we have a locator on our website and our website address is c h c a m s dot org and along the top bar it says find a health center and if you click on that and put in your zip code or your town you will have a locator it'll a map will come up mm-hmm. there's also a map icon on our website that if you click on map on the top bar it will pull up a beautiful map that has the community health centers in each county And there are only a handful of counties that don't have them. But that doesn't mean if you live, let's say, in Lafayette County and you don't have a health center in your county, that doesn't mean you can't go to one. You can go to a health center near you. Um, So that's another visual, a a visual tool to use to see what health center may be near you. And then you would just look up that health center and see where their clinics are Mm -hmm. located. A lot of the um, a lot of our. Members, our um, community health centers do have school based sites, they have mobile clinics, mm-hmm. and they have like com- brick and mortar clinics right. in in the communities. And they're located, I mean, really, I was just completely surprised at how many are available for primary health care. It's just a great thing. And we're going
2: to take a quick break, but quickly I wanted to mention that a lot of these places also have some subspecialty care in there as well. Like they may have vision services or dental services, that kind of thing that really helps bridge the access to care issues. That's correct. They do. Yeah. So it kind of gets back into that one-stop shop situation where exactly. you can get a lot of the things done that you need right there in that one location. And particularly women's health as well. Yeah, absolutely. I send a lot of patients um, over for women's health services um, that need um, help with that, that may not have insurance or need some assistance with that. So it's perfect. Alright, we're going to go ahead and take that first break of the hour. Um, if you want to give us a call, we're taking those about um, obesity and overweight and really anything about community health centers. Our number is one mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven. 7464 or you can send me an email fit at mpbonline.org we'll be back in just a few
3: podcast.
2: Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at UMMC. And joining me in studio today, Dr. Sonia Fuqua and Catherine Rodenmeier with the Community Health Center Association of Mississippi. And we spent a little time today talking about what community health um, centers are are and where you can find those. If you missed that first segment, uh, community health centers are all across the state and really serve as primary care medical homes um, for folks with insurance, without insurance, um, or folks who are needing any type of medical assistance. If you are looking for one, you can go to chcams.org and put in your town or zip code and find the one nearest to you. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to have these ladies on today was to address one of the big health issues that we have um, in Mississippi, which is overweight and obesity. And why we chose to focus in on that one is a lot of the other chronic medical conditions that we have, like high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, um, and then even things that aren't necessarily life-threatening but are uh not great for our quality of life like arthritis um, can be linked back to how much we weigh right and so we want to start having these conversations one because we don't shame people who are overweight or obese i think that that happens a lot of times especially we see lots of memes and cartoons and things out there making fun of people who are overweight or obese and that is just simply dumb um what we've got to do is um help folks um Connect the dots on what carrying some extra weight, what the impact that is, and then real practical solutions for addressing those issues. So, Sonia, I kind of just want to start with what is obesity? It tends to be something that most folks think, oh, I know what that means, but you know,
0: what what does it mean to have obesity or to be obese? Well, first of all, obesity is a medical condition Mm -hmm. and it's a condition that occurs when a person carries around excess body weight and to the degree that it affects their health. Mm -hmm. And it is just a measurement, however, so the doctor can be cued in on what type of interventions that we need to work with this patient on. But it looks at the measurement that combines the height and the weight, Mm -hmm. the body mass index, and you'll hear it uh, referred to as BMI, but a BMI measurement of over 25, mm-hmm. so 25 to 29.9 is considered overweight. Right. And then if the BMI is actually 30 or over, then that's considered obesity. Mm-hmm. Um, There are other ways that we look at it. We can measure body fat or what have you. But the bottom line is that if the person does have obesity and excess body weight, it can increase their risk factors for a lot of other chronic conditions, uh, such as metabolic syndrome. You mentioned that earlier, arthritis, even cancers. And you're looking at how it impacts the blood pressure. Um, and type 2 diabetes as well. So we like to encourage people, and particularly in our community health centers, to maintain a healthy weight or lose weight uh, through diet and exercise in order to prevent or reduce their obesity rates. Yeah,
2: I mean, I agree fully. And, you know, so you mentioned that BMI number, that that's kind of a, a calculation that we do based off height, and weight um, and so it gets a lot of um, pushback from some folks about the limitations of, of BMI because if someone is um, very muscular Body you know builder. yeah or even just someone who you know maybe a, a crossfitter or you know someone who power lifts that kind of stuff and has a lot of lean muscle tissue going on the the scale just a plain scale can't tell what the weight is it doesn't know whether it's body fat whether it's you know lean muscle tissue whether it's bone all of those different kinds of things it just measures weight right i stick a sack a flower on it and it tell me how much that weighs right um, but wh- the the way I answer that is BMI is a screening tool and so screening means something that I can apply to a large population of people and find folks that are at risk and need further evaluation exactly right so um, the, another way to think of it is like a blood sugar um, test so you come by the health fair you sit down we check your blood sugar and it's um, 160 right I'm not automatically going to give you a diagnosis of diabetes, right? But I'm going to say right now your blood sugar is a little bit higher than it needs to be. We need to get you in um, with someone who can repeat that and take a closer look at your other risk factors and see if this was just kind of a one time you had too much cotton candy at the health fair because that seems to always be there at the health fair, the cotton candy and snow cones. And they usually
0: put me right beside them too. And they get those blood sugars done after
2: they've eaten. Oh, yeah. Or sometimes while they're holding it. Like (laughs) it's cotton candy in this hand, blood sugar getting done in this hand. And I'm not, I'm not anti-cotton candy. I love cotton candy. Um, But that's probably not the best choice right before we get our blood sugar measured. But again, we're getting you in um, because you have an, an, you're at risk for potentially having diabetes. And we want to follow that up with some repeat testing. Same deal with the BMI. So if, if we're doing um, either a clinic visit with an elevated BMI or a health fair and I, we get somebody referred in, then we start to look at body composition. And there are different um, ways to do that. The kind of old-fashioned way would be with uh, something called calipers, which are like a little um, little pinchers that pinch up skin folds and we can kind of abstract out um, the percentage of body fat that way. Um, now, That type of measurement really needs to be done by someone who is very qualified in skin fold thickness because there is a fair degree of operator error in that. Um, There's uh, more fancy ones now like bioimpedance scales that you get on and hold with your hand and they... um, are checking for the conduction through the body because fat tissue, bone tissue, and um, water conduct things differently. And then there's really fancy ones where you actually get into the water and it... um can tell body composition. And then one quick one that I do in the office is a waist circumference. Um, You know, no high fancy equipment needed, just a tape measure um, and measuring out that waist circumference because we know if we've got women with a waist circumference of more than 35 inches and men with a waist circumference of more than 40 inches, then that is a clue for um, central adiposity, or that just means fat around the midsection, which we know is a link to heart disease Um, and so that's something that we can work on there as well so it is bmi certainly not the most perfect of, of tools out there but it is a valuable tool from a public health standpoint to be able to get folks in and get them screened so um I think everyone probably recognizes the fact that Mississippi has a weight problem. Um, but what, what is the actual state of the problem here in Mississippi? How you know,
0: what are the folks that are dealing with overweight and obesity? Well, I'm gonna tell you about the state of the problem in Mississippi and even though it is alarming, I do have a woohoo. Oh, a woohoo's yes, we are not number one anymore. Thank you, West Virginia. (laughs) But right now, Mississippi has the second highest adult obesity rate. Mm -hmm. Um, However, we do still have the highest obesity rate when it comes to youth. That's between the ages of 10 to 17. Mm -hmm. So we do still have a, a lot of work to go. And it's really important to keep this in the front of our minds because as we talked before about how it impacts health status in Mm -hmm. general. So that number is impacting diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, arthritis, and even some obesity-related cancers. So naturally, those numbers are high as well. Um, Obesity is a risk factor. It's not necessarily a causative factor, but it's something that you look at to say this is going to propel you in this direction, particularly when you look at other variables Mm -hmm. that may impact that. I know when I speak of myself, there are some things that I cannot uh, change. I can't change my race. I can't change my age. And I cannot change my genes. You can't change your family. I cannot change my family. Right. So there are some things that are inherent within those three variables that I cannot change. Mm -hmm. But the obesity is a modifiable risk factor that the individual can change. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I see that a lot
2: um, with patients who have a very strong family history of maybe diabetes or high blood pressure, or heart attacks or strokes, and they kind of feel like it's inevitable, right? Because you can't change your family. And so if mama and daddy and grandmama and granddaddy had these things, well, I'm just going to get it too. And that's not true, right? I mean, there are modifiable risk factors that there's a, a higher chance that you might get it, but it's not a certainty, right? We want to maximize those things that we can change like what we're eating, how much we're moving, if we're smoking, if we're sleeping well, if we're stressed out, all of those different types of things, complete the total picture of whether or not disease manifests itself.
0: Right. right. And I do appreciate you, again, uh, mentioning the, the modifiable risk factors and we talking about the genes. On a personal note, I'm very passionate about lifestyle changes because my family history, Is full of diabetics, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and I refuse to have the defeatist attitude of, well, my mama had it and all my brothers had it and my aunties had Mm -hmm. it and grandma and what have Mm -hmm. you, so I am just going to get it. So my mantra is that I'm running from it. Yeah. And I may indeed get it, but I am practicing um, a healthy lifestyle in terms of my diet Mm -hmm. and my exercise so that I will get it later in life Mm -hmm. if I do get it, Mm -hmm. and then the severity of it will not be as great because I have been practicing a healthy lifestyle. And I started at an early age. I came out of my mama's womb at nine thirteen. 13. Oh, you was a big baby. I was a big baby. And had my mother been diagnosed now, she would have been diagnosed as a gestational not, di- yeah. diabetic. But um, anyway, so I was a heavy child all through school, and I maxed out with a BMI of 41.5. And by this time, I was aware
3: mm-hmm.
0: of the risk factors and and what you need to do to be healthy and to affect cardiovascular disease risk. And I didn't want to be diabetic if I could, you know, avoid it. And I I made the lifestyle change, Mm -hmm. you know. So now I am trying to practice what I preach, you know, when I talk to other people about it. Well, how did you do that? And what do you do? And I try to just share with them Mm -hmm. the way to affect these modifiable lifestyle changes Mm -hmm. and not only to do it but to maintain it yeah that's the important part right that's the important part well how did you do that I said well doing it is the easy part actually but it's maintaining Mm -hmm. the the lifestyle change Mm -hmm. it's eating daily in a healthier way right now yes you can fall off the wagon but don't wallow get back up right you know, so I, I often take the opportunity to speak to people about making those lifestyle changes mm-hmm. and maintaining them mm-hmm. and how it will affect their outcomes in the long run. Right, Absolutely. It very much
2: goes along with what I say. If nothing changes, nothing, nothing changes. changes. Right. <laughs> so, you know, people often get. um almost paralyzed by the amount of things that might need to be worked on, you know, from a nutrition standpoint or an exercise or sleep or stress, these things. But we don't have to fix all of those at once. We don't have to attack all of those at once. Well, how do you eat an elephant, Josie? Right? Well... I'm vegan, so I don't <laughs> eat an <melon> elephant, <laughs> so, but I eat a watermelon one bite at a time. <laughs> All right, so what we're going to do is we'll go ahead and take our second break of the hour. When we come back, we're going to talk about how to kind of start, how to start making some of those healthy lifestyle changes, some that worked for you. I'll share some that worked for me, and Catherine, you can share some that worked for you as well. If you guys are listening and you have a story about how you made a healthy lifestyle change, we'd love to hear that. Our number is one mpb ring It's one seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll be back after the break.
0: is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
2: Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Joining me today, I've got two folks from the Community Health Center Association of Mississippi. And I didn't even mess it up. I felt like I was going to, but I got it right. Um... Uh, I have Katherine Rodenmeyer with me, and I have Dr. Sonia Fuqua with me as well. And we've been talking a lot about overweight and obesity. Um, if you've got a question or a comment about that, we would love to hear from you today. In particular, I'd love to hear your success story. If you have kind of um, broken free from feeling trapped by your weight, I'd love to hear that. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring it's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. If you don't want to be on the radio, you can surely send me an email, and I will read it and appreciate that. The number uh, that is fit at MPB Online. Org. All right. Before the break, we were kind of sharing some of our um, personal stories. And so you had mentioned that you were kind of a, a bigger child and you shared your max BMI, which was about 41, is what you said. And you guys can't see her because this is not television, but she um, is no longer at a BMI of 41. Um, she is at a 22. 22. That's better than mine. Now I'm a little jelly. Um <laughs> but uh you know so she has uh found the key to sustainability right which is the the point of all of this that there are multiple ways that we can lose weight there are <clears throat> excuse me you can google weight loss plans and there will be so many there that you will be confused and 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 just overwhelmed by the amount that are out there and They work. I mean, weight weight loss plans work, but most of them don't work for the long term because they're usually the things that I hate the most: twenty one day jump starts or um, six weeks to better buns or whatever these things are. are. And I've given up on better (laughs) buns, but you know, what happens at the end of the six weeks or what happens at the end of the twenty one days? What we've got to do is build a plan that we're going to do not for 21 days or six weeks or three months, but for a long lifetime. Right. And so how did you start when you, first of all, what made you ready to make a
0: change? I think when I reached that max, my Mm. maximum weight, I said I am not doing this because that's my first diet was when I was 12. Mm. But anyway, so I yo-yoed for a while and it finally dawned on me that, This is not the lifestyle I want as a yo-yo dieting. Mm -hmm. So what I did is I took the best of some of all that I had done and found out what really worked for me. And I do want to make that comment again. What works for me might not be what works for Catherine. Right. So I found out what type of eating program worked for me and got the exercise involvement there. And mm-hmm. exercise became a, a regular thing, yeah. um, not just a, I'm going to do it for six weeks, like right. you say. Or I'm going to do, do it because I ate a cupcake. I'm going to do it because I ate a cupcake. Exactly. So it was, one, realizing that I had to make the change because I was going too far afield. Mm-hmm. I was not going to be a healthy person. And then, two, finding the true motivation, finding the true me- motivation. And my motivation was simply that I did not want to be um, at risk. Right. I wanted to sit in my own chair and not spill over, and I didn't want to get diabetes today or tomorrow or mm-hmm. high blood pressure, what have mm-hmm. you. I wanted to minimize my health risk. Right. And then you have to make the change nutritionally. And you have to exercise. Mm -hmm. So I I like to say I got a new attitude. Yeah. And my new attitude is that I'm going to eat well, I'm going to exercise, and I'm going to just live a healthy Mm -hmm. life consistently. Again, having to find out what that meant for me in terms of what I eat, what I eat for breakfast, what I eat for lunch, what Mm -hmm. I eat for dinner, what type of snacks I do. When I exercised for me this morning, I was Mm -hmm. in the gym at 5 o'clock this morning. So it's it's early. Get it out of the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that works for you.
2: That's that's great. I cannot exercise at 5 in the morning. (laughs) Like, all my brain cells are not talking to each other. But we are going to go talk to um, Margaret in Memphis. Good morning, Margaret. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm fine. Good. What you got for us today?
3: Well, uh, two months ago, I... I just wanted to lose a few pounds, not a huge amount of weight, mm-hmm. but I was having trouble doing it. I just couldn't seem to bring myself to do it, and uh, I downloaded the Noom app. Yeah, N O. Have you heard about? That? I do. I
2: really like the Noom app. N O O M. Yeah,
3: that's correct. Yes. And it, uh, it. It. It just nudges you in the direction of healthy eating exercise. it uses humor mm-hmm. uh good information um i i you have many options with it. I don't really think you need to have the you have the option of being part of a group but right. kind of I don't think you need that i th- I think just the basic app is wonderful mm-hmm. uh, i mean i I think it's fantastic I've lost weight but i've i main thing I've done is changed the way I eat it's kind yeah. of caused me to eat a much healthier uh, diet, more vegetables, less yeah. fat. Anyway, yeah, I, I recommend it. I know they're doing a big ad campaign. I've seen them everywhere. But yeah. Yeah. They pop well, up on my
2: social different. media a lot um, just because of the nature of other pages that I follow. I think that's yeah. how they get me. <laughs>
3: well, this is unusual. Th- this thing is, is is not like anything I've ever yeah. uh, done. So
2: I, I highly recommend it. Well, good. I thank thank you for listeners. for giving us a call and sharing that. Yes. All okay, right. you're welcome. Thank you, Margaret. Be safe. Uh, All right. Bye-bye. bye-bye. Um, and ag, if you guys haven't had a chance to check out that um, Noom app, really what it's doing is looking, uh, it's really addressing the behavioral aspects of food, what she just mentioned there, like learning how to eat. So not necessarily what to eat, but how we interact with food and goal setting and making action plans that lead to sustainable change instead of just saying... I'm gonna eat better, so it's a pretty cool um, little app that I've played around on a little bit there. All right, we're gonna go on to Port Gibson and talk with Linda. Good morning, Linda. Good morning. How are you? I'm okay. Good. What can uh, we do for you today?
1: Well, uh, I kinda disagree with, with the uh, with the doctor when she said that uh, uh, those that those wait, uh, the wait, the uh, plan. Program mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Well, well, back in two thousand twelve, I, I ballooned up to about one hundred and eighty-two. Okay, and um, I went on the idea protein weight loss mm-hmm. program. Mm-hmm. Uh, within uh, gradual months, I lost. I went. I went down to a hundred. And 29. Mm-hmm. And I have kept all that weight off. That's
2: fantastic. That's yes. really, really good. And so I'm really proud to hear you say that. Um, mm-hmm. I'll say that you are in the 20% of folks who are able to do that, who are able to lose a, a good deal of weight and maintain it off that yes, way. That's it it yep. has
3: to be maintained.
2: Yeah, it's absolutely. About 80% of folks who do um, weight loss plans – Mm-hmm. tend to regain all of that weight back so it's great that it works yep. wow so that's three fantastic in that's fantastic that drives home the fact that every person is a little bit different and we've got to find a plan that works for that individual person yes. absolutely mm-hmm. all right miss uh, linda thank, thank th- you you're welcome right. thank you for giving all us right. a call I'm so glad that that worked for her. You know, um, what we do see a lot in, in fad diets, which I do a protein, not necessarily a fad diet, but does restrict out certain things. And so usually I qualify a fad diet as anything that restricts a macronutrient, right? So it makes you cut way back on your carb, way back on your fat, way back on your protein or eliminate it almost entirely. And those are hard for sustainability for folks because very few folks are able to say, I'm just not going to eat that category of food for a lifetime. Um, She was able to. That's absolutely fantastic um, there. We all also always want to make sure that we're not looking at weight as the only metric of health, right? Because we can be healthy. um, We can look healthy on the outside and metabolically might not be the case there. So always judge your health, not by just the number on the scale, but by cholesterol numbers and blood sugar numbers and blood pressure numbers and all of those different things because they make up the totality of health there. Um, Catherine, you got any tips for making a healthy lifestyle change?
4: Shoot, I need all the help I can get. (laughs) Oh, girl, you're (laughs) doing great. But I will say that at our our office, Mm -hmm. at the Community Health Center Association, so we try to practice what we're preaching. And last month, we as a group as a team did a weight loss challenge that included an exercise component Mm -hmm. and as a group at the end of four weeks we lost 70 pounds collectively right and we all looked a little bit better and we decided to keep going Mm -hmm. so that's kind of an inspiration and you know when dr fuqua says that she's at the gym at five in the morning uh she's my inspiration my Mm -hmm. touchstone Mm -hmm. I, i look to her to inspire my actions and uh, to try to do better for myself and my health. Right. So I appreciate you, Dr. Fuqua. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you both
2: because you can tell the passion that you have for working with um, groups of folks and for making better choices for yourself.
4: Yes. And I also wanted to say that, you know, we, we have um, a program that is, we have a, a program that we're running right now because it's uh, Mississippi Community Health Center Week. And yeah. we have, we're aligned with the National Health Center Week where we're promoting and celebrating community health centers and what they do in communities and how they enrich communities. They bring economic stimulus to communities and provide uh, a place for health care and caring mm-hmm. for communities. So we, we're celebrating that this week. And our, our main event is a 65, it's called 65 by 65. And these are different races that are held all around the state. And we have one in the Jackson Metro area. We have a 5K and a 10K race on Saturday starting at 7.30 a.m. That's the race time. And it's called 65 by 65 Obesity Prevention Challenge and let's get moving. So it's, it's just to try to model and encourage community activity outdoors to get moving. And many of the community health centers out in outside of Jackson are doing similar events on Saturday. And they're also doing events to promote community health center week. And you can go to our website to find a link, which would take you to a, a site that says what everybody's doing this week. Right. It may be health fairs. It may be immunizations for back to school. It may be, um, lung, you know, things mm-hmm. to bring in staff appreciation. staff appreciation. Um, so we're, you know, we're really excited about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. It's uh, once you learn about community health centers, you just, I mean, I just feel so, so glad to know about them. Yeah. I did not know about them, and now I do, and I'm trying to preach about them.
2: Yeah. All right. We're going to quickly go to the phone lines before our last break. We're going to go to Jackson and talk with Edward. Hello, Edward. Hey, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm excellent.
1: Listen, uh, this is my 12th year after kidney transplant. All right. Yay. Great. I, I do not eat any beef. I very seldom. I might have a hand, but I don't eat any beef mm-hmm. or any pork or very little chicken. Mm-hmm. I I get a lot of ground turkey. Okay. And, uh, I use that for you can get uh, these uh, uh, Japanese breadcrumbs, and you, mm-hmm. make, you can make meat close and put it in a spaghetti. And, or anything else you want to do with the ground turkey, you get these frozen teriyaki mixes. I also uh, limit... The carbohydrates. So I get see, the thing is I get my labs done every month. Good. Mm-hmm. So I know what's, I know what's going on inside my body. Yeah. And when I went over, that was 190 pounds, and I've been staying at 165 for the last 11 years. Now I, dr- I go get wine, I go get beer, I go get I get anything. <laughs> I want. You're having a party. Is, you have to limit what you have. You, mm-hmm. I don't eat any pizza mm-hmm. or any of that junk. I don't go to any of these. I might go dealing. I go down in backyard burgers and get a turkey burger. Yeah. I, I don't eat out anymore. I make my own stuff. I save a lot of money. I go out to the dollar tree and get all that stuff out of there. Mm-hmm. and uh, if you get beef and pork or, and the oxygen is what kills the human body. I mean all that fat and, and grease and you have all that animal stuff, we don't need to have it. It's a shame that uh, Mississippi is the you know the fried, chicken capital of the world and they have all these uh pork stuff it's that they're just they're just killing themselves you know and I hate to see how hey, you go to uh, walmart and it's like going to uh the gastric uh insanity place because no. so so it's a fat people it's just a shame and I feel so sorry for them when they could have a, a healthier life they could go out and run around with their grandchildren instead of sitting in that chair or a bench, you're just watching. It's really a shame. And I, I'm just trying to tell people, you know, you can have a better life, but you have to try. You just can't sit there and ignore it. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. Well,
2: thank you for sharing that story with us, Edward, and I'm glad you found something to stick to. All right, guys, we're going to take our last break of the hour. When we come back, I'm going to get these ladies to talk to me a little bit more about 65 by 65 and tell me about a cool event that's coming up this coming weekend. We'll be back in just a few.
0: an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome
2: back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. Dr. Josie Bidwell. Joining me today has been Catherine Rodenmeyer and Dr. Sonia Fuqua with the Community Health Center Association of Mississippi. We've been talking about obesity today. We've had a lot of great callers, a lot of great information has been shared. But before we run out of time, I got to make sure we talk about this cool event that's coming up. So you mentioned 65 by 65. And tell us what 65 by 65 means.
4: Well, it's a health, okay, 65 by 65. It's 65,000... Mississippians that do not have the disease of obesity by the year 2065. That's the health outcome goal set by community health centers. So we have what a 37, 38
2: percent, 37.3 percent obesity rate, rate mm-hmm.
4: adult obesity rate in Mississippi. So you know, I, I, you think about that 2065. It's like wow. I mean, That's I, far I, out. I mean, are we gonna? I mean, God I willing, be, I better be alive. <laughs> well, who knows? But really, this is about this is about the next generations, right? right. And about Act, about affecting what change, our kids. right, yeah. and what we're what we're doing affecting change with the next generations and what we're teaching our children. But there was a study done that um, projected that if we don't stop the trajectory we're on, that we're going to have a fifty percent obesity rate mm-hmm. in in twenty thirty. I think that was yeah. what it was. So taking that number and looking further out mm-hmm. is how they came up with that. But I think it's a good goal. I mean, children are. Children are the future. I mean, I know that sounds <laughs> cliche that it sounds, sounds that so. It is a cliche, you know. um, however, but it's true. It and is. what we teach and what uh, habits are instilled now mm. matter. Um, and I know Dr. Fuqua is working with a special diabetes program that within the health the community health center system that addresses childhood obesity. Isn't that right or diabetes? Well, it's
0: not. We we do have. Um programs that we're looking at that we were doing for childhood obesity and they're not directly related to diabetes but indirectly because if we can affect change now hopefully these children would not be diabetic but i just want to say a couple of things and then talk about the role of community health centers you were talking about the increase in our numbers of obesity we're at 37.3 percent now we have been on a steady incline since 1990. In 1990, when we first looked at this, we were 15%. And if you look at the graph, the trend graph, no decrease, but a steady increase. So now we went from 19, I mean, 15% in 1990 to 37.3%. But the community health centers can help with that. We utilize effective evidence-based strategies, interventions and best practices so that we can look at clinical outcomes and quality improvement as they relate to health. We do the assessment. We talked about the BMI. Mm -hmm. We do the assessment. We help the patients establish care plans, and then we follow up on the care plan. There's the opportunity for nutrition and activity counseling. So we don't just get your height and weight and look at it but we will tell you this is a way you can work on this. And then when you come back, we'll see what's happened with your action plan. So we help keep you on task. Uh, they, some of our health centers have health and wellness programs. Um, we have community engagement activities like what's going on for National Health Center Week and the 65 by 65 races of which would be quite a few on Saturday all across the state to encourage physical activity. And then you mentioned what we're doing with children. Uh, Several of our health centers have weight management programs that are geared specifically with children. One of them is a childhood obesity initiative that integrates a Multidisciplinary team, so not only the provider but they can refer to a social worker or to a dietitian, and everybody works together to get that counseling done. They also tag team with community health organizations uh, such as exercise places. We have a childhood obesity program that does 10 weeks of training not only with the child but with the parents. So the parents have to be involved because most children don't buy their own food, establish their own habits. So we train the parents in nutrition and we show the children physical activity. And we found positive outcomes with that program in terms of BMI, even uh, self-esteem. Children feel better about themselves. So the community health centers across the state, not all of them doing the same things, but all of them are doing something to have a positive impact on the uh, obesity and overweight rates, with not only children but with adults. Right.
2: All right. Very quickly, Catherine, tell me about this race on Saturday.
4: Okay, sixty-five by sixty-five five k or ten k in the Jackson Metro area. The it's at the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame. That's where the starting line is. Race times at seven thirty. If you want to register beforehand, six 65- five x65.com we'll take you to the registration link and um, or you can go to our website org, and you can sign up you can find a link there to get you to the registration link and I hope everybody'll come out yeah come and, run with me cuz I'll be there oh that's great and we also have um, races all over the the state Alright guys, thank you so much for sharing lots of great information. If you
2: guys need more information about anything we talked about you can send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org Thanks Catherine, thanks Sonia yeah, and thanks to good. our great producer Kevin Farrell for another awesome show You've been listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio